During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 28 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I am Tim Geddes. I'm joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. Good evening. I'm excited for this. A lot of cool shit to talk about today. Yeah. Some sad stuff to talk about today. Mm. Yeah. Some interesting things to talk about today. Some experiences that we've had. You take the good, you take the bad. Yeah. Think about the you have. have. Facts, Facts life. life. Facts life. So, uh, before when we... the world oh does it seem <laughs> to be living, give me the beat, give me the beat. Up to your dreams, Colin Collin. It's the facts of life, the facts of life are all about you. <laughs> all about you. All right, so I won't need this anymore. What the wallet? Yeah, you done? No, nah, I think after I mean, with pipes like that, I can go anywhere in this country. So, you just don't need eat your wallet, drink for free. Okay. Didn't know that's how uh, anything worked, really. So this episode, I want to give a shout out to Leaping Tiger. Oh, yes. Our friends over there. So it's an app that lets you, or a website too. So it's iOS only right now. But if you go to leaping-tiger.com, you can, uh, if you're an Android user, you can do that there and you'll be fine. It allows you to meet up with other gamers to play online. Right. Specific times and all this stuff. Like It's a, it's a social gaming thing. Right. It's pretty cool. It's a and we're doing something called... Game nights, right? Because right now the the thing is only kind of funny people are using this app. If you didn't, if you haven't been keeping up with this, Leaving Tiger went to patreoncom slash games sponsored us for the month, so they get mm-hmm. the month of shoutouts. Thank you for your support. Yes. So yeah, what they're doing is since they're we're already kind of funny fans, they were like, mm-hmm. I think honestly, when we launched Kind of Funny Games, they were the first people to buy or you know buy the sponsorship from Patreon. Yeah. And so like they've been with us the whole time. They're real fans. They're real cool folks. Their deal is yeah that they're they've soft launched this app. So if you download this app, you or you use the website, you use it to match it make with other people, you get to go hang out with the kind of funny people. But the cool thing is that every Wednesday right now for this month, what they're doing is you go there seven o'clock Pacific time. You can play for two hours. Again, we're doing Rocket League because it was such a success last week. Mm-hmm. Doing Rocket League. You go on there, you find other Rocket League players, you exchange your information, you go play, yada yada yada. That's great. You have you make friends, you play a cool game made by Jeremy Dunham, which we love. However, to sweeten the deal, they're giving one person a PlayStation Vita every one of these Wednesday meetups. It's good. Yeah. I really like it a lot. So I like definitely Vita. check them out. Leaping-tiger.com, or there's the app that you can go get on iOS. So, guys, first topic of uh, order today, future Nintendo. Mm. So, last week, Awada-san passed away. Yeah. And we were all very sad, and you know, there's all this stuff. And me and uh, Colin did a little Kirby's Adventure Let's Play, where uh, we kind of, like, gave our thoughts on the whole thing, and I like, just wanted to kind of celebrate his life and all the things that he's done. And uh, we talked a bit about how the internet, like... I'm happy with the internet and how it's handled some of these oh. like, like deaths recently. Right. Where it's, I mean, of course, there's going to be negative people. Sure, there's a bunch of you trolls go, and jerks. But overall, overall, it was overwhelmingly positive. People really kind of stood together to remember 
Iwata. There was the hashtag thank you Iwata. Yeah. And it was a real big thing. A lot of people making tribute videos. A lot of people doing let's plays of his the various games that he played. They were very influential on, on all of us and like all the people out there and all that stuff. So having said all that, this is less a, a topic about, about all that and just more where does this leave Nintendo? You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you have anything to say about him, for sure, feel free. But this is more about where do you where do we see Nintendo going from here uh, now that they're they don't have their the leader you know I feel I mean like Nintendo's been on the precipice of change for a while and everything we talk about with the NX and why they're not putting out more games on the Wii U right now right like they they Colin always talks about it their hands are tied right they can't they can't put stuff out on the Wii U to not sell so they have to wait to try to get it to the NX so they you know have it's like this double edged sword kind of thing they're dealing with right. And so what's going to be interesting is what is the NX? How revolutionary is it? How different is it? Is it this handheld console bundled in one? And then how will they talk when they talk about messaging about what Awada's role was in that? Because if it comes out and it is, hey, we've learned from all of our mistakes. This is how it you know, looks. This is what it's going to be. It's going to be easy for third parties. We're competing with PlayStation, Xbox, whatever you want to say. People are going to be knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, man, like this is the new Nintendo all because like there's new people in charge now and this is the change. When in reality, you have to imagine those choices have been made for a while. They're on this path. Awada was part mm. of that. That So it's it's interesting. I don't know what – you know. I, I hope and when we talk about the NX, throw it up, that the NX is something different. It is you know Nintendo making something again for hardcore gamers or whatever you want to call us. You know what I mean? The core. And – that is different in and amongst itself. So I don't know already. I always talk about how I'd love to be a fly on the wall who speaks Japanese and know what's going on in Nintendo to begin with. I feel like they've been on the road to change. And now that there is such a tragic change to be had, I don't know how much that influences who you bring in and how it molds the company going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things to say, I think. First is that, you know, to Awada himself, what I always respected about uh, Satoru Awada compared to a lot of other executives in the industry, and it's not to say I don't respect any other executives in the industry, it's just to say what I respected about him is he was a game creator that was a businessman. Um, he's not, you know, more like the Peter Moore mold where it's like a, he's a businessman that understands games. Um, and I always respected how Awada really started at the very lowest rungs and worked his way all the way up yeah. to the very top of the company. Um, and that was first at Hell Laboratory, who worked intimately, of course, with the Nintendo crew in the mid-80s. Um, and then when he joined Nintendo properly, and then he became president of Nintendo in 2002. So I just want to throw that out that I have a lot of respect for that. That's a, that's a, that's an awesome, like, bootstrap story. Yeah, 100%. Um, and as you said, we played Kirby's Adventure and stuff, and he was one of the people instrumental behind that series. But he was also one of the instrumental forces behind, you know, really beloved series like Mother, um, which is Earthbound, mm-hmm. and uh, you know other things. I mean, then there's all these great stories about him, him kind of like helping them finish Balloon Fight and how he did Pokemon Gold, 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 Gold and Silver, Silver, Pokemon Stadium, Smash Brothers, mm-hmm. like all like all of these crazy things. Yeah. So he, so I just have a great a great amount of respect for him because I think he was a game creator first um, and um, a businessman second. Um, that said, I think that, uh, there's a few, I think there's a lot of unknowns. This seems, and I don't, I don't presume to know anything about, you know, his illness and stuff like that, but it seems like it was very sudden when he passed away. But I wonder if it was really sudden for the people that were most in the know. In other words, I wonder if they might've suspected that they needed to 
in the behind the scenes like start thinking about a, a future without him fortifying themselves yeah. for the inevitable right exactly he, he, this was the second e3 year that he had missed or yeah. yeah exactly so i mean like he was sicker i think than we realized and maybe uh, i'm sure that the board at nintendo and his, his colleagues and his peers at nintendo probably knew way 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 more than we did and so i just wonder if this was like a i'm sure it was shocking and it's it's awful and it's sad but i'm wondering if they there was a contingency that they might expect that this might might have to you know might have happened mm-hmm. and they might have to move on without him so i'm wondering if the trajectory has it will change or if it's just like you know a lot has been driving the car forward and someone else just now has to just put his foot on the gas pedal and we are already steering in the direction we need to go sure exactly um, the ship's been turned and now it's on this path but a what's so fascinating about a is a he's the he was the first president of nintendo really outside of the very inner circle of the founding like and you know the families and and the names that were really important to nintendo for a very long time he was really the first um new crew like new outsider to kind of come in not to say he was an outsider he was with nintendo but you know like a, a guy that was younger a younger guy a guy that was put in and installed to turn the ship during the early gamecube years when it was clear that they, nintendo was in a lot of trouble um and he reigned over a nintendo that was both its most successful and uh it's i don't want to say it's it's most unsuccessful because that's not true but the first time we had seen a nintendo that was like really in trouble, machine. like really was in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And so he his whole leadership is a story of great decisions and some poor decisions. And that's going to be the, the case with anyone that takes over for him. Um, you know, so he he ruled, he kind of just had to go through the GameCube and, and the GBA. But the DS and the Wii were massive successes. The, the biggest success in the handheld and the biggest success in home console that Nintendo's ever had. Um, he should be given a lot of credit for that because he was there from, you know, from inception all the way through execution. Uh, but the same thing can be said for the Wii U, and so there's a there's a sorted kind of um, a legacy there with his leadership. Uh, but I think that he deserves a lot of credit because it was largely successful. And this whole pivot towards mobile and things that they need to do, and I think ultimately with the NX and then maybe even third party development eventually, probably has begun under his leadership as well. So he deser- deserves a lot of credit. This opens the question of like who will take over, and mm-hmm. I don't presume to know names. I'm sure there's a short list of names there if they've not already made their decision internally of people that. Um, that can take over my the one thing that came to mind for me is like is it possible that the person who takes over is not japanese mm-hmm. and and if that would be a good thing for them or a bad thing for them in terms of just that the corporate culture and the corporate structure there to like sure. shake things up and find their success overseas i mean that's the interesting thing there because you know the the faces of nintendo at least in the last couple of years have always been um iwata reggie and miyamoto and we constantly see those three together and they they are the group you know and it really makes you think, like, will Miyamoto step into that role? And then it's he's not necessarily, I mean, again, I don't know too much of the details on this, but I would assume that he's not exactly the CEO business type, no, you I know? Think so. I think he's but like then, the little kid in an adult's yeah, body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and, and in the in, best way possible. In the best way, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like he needs to make games. He's in the, the same way, though, Awada would do that, too, but he did have that business like mind and how like mm. how it would make everything work, but then Reggie is the other side of that. That Reggie obviously understands the games, understands what gamers want, and he understands all those things. But he is a business guy. But it's interesting because he is the American, you know. And like, could could Reggie be the CEO of Nintendo? Maybe. I mean, it's 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 possible. It's something I've thought about. I I just wonder if it's necessary or pertinent for them to look more in a more Western style. It reminds me of what Sony did with PlayStation 4 when they realized we only have a limited stock of this console and Japan is a shrinking market and not really mm-hmm. a super important market for us, even though we are a Japanese company. It's still not that important. Even though there's 130 million people there, they don't play consoles the way we do 
our money and our bed is going to be made in the West, and we need to have a Western audience. So when they made they made their first couple million PlayStation Fours, they gave them all to the United States. You know, um, and I wonder if that was a, that was clearly a smart move. Now I wonder if the Nintendo has to do that in a more systemic way to be like we need a, a, a more Western influence, and you know, much like Sony, Nintendo, I'm sure in Japan really is the 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 core of the leadership, like everything has to go through them. And I wonder if they want to kind of shake up the structure a little bit and say like, well, consoles are still strong in the United States. They're still strong in Canada. They're strong in Latin America. They're strong in Europe. We need to find someone from these, um, these places to talk to that audience. It reminds me of almost like what the Catholic church church did with, uh, with, uh, the, the new Pope where the new Pope's, you know, a Latino guy to speak to a huge Latino Catholic audience that was never really felt like they were being spoken to in their own language by, you know, someone um, that understands them better. And I wonder if it's almost a kind of a similar thing where it's like, well, maybe we do need to tap Reggie, we need to tap an unknown person a, a great business mind an unknown you know? one i think is the most interesting choice you know what i mean of like what we're talking about of like we are at this precipice of something new so a different nintendo a different look for them so yeah they understand that not that they've made bad decisions but they've made traditional decisions or you know they want to break the mold of who they are you bring mm-hmm. someone else in to help do that a trusted person Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very insular, so I don't, I don't know, you know. But it seems like the whole direction they're going in now is just, is just radically different. I, and that's why I was saying I give Iwata a lot of credit for that because he clearly, behind the scenes, admitted that they made, they did make huge mistakes, yeah. and the Wii U is a huge mistake, mm-hmm. and they have to deal with it, and they'll deal with it, and they have the money to deal with it, and the means and the time. It's not a Sega Saturn or Sega Dreamcast situation where they're just fucking out of they're money. Screwed, yeah. Um, it's it's not like that at all. So they have to eat it, and they did, and they are, and 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 they'll move and forward. And he did himself too. And like that's like one of the most you, you hear all these stories now. And like I remember over time we've heard them, but like to get them all collected into one thing, like all the things that Awada did. Like when he took the pay cut, like what was it, a fifty percent pay yeah, cut? When the when they started losing to all stuff. Like, yeah. That's like that says a lot, you know, about like the type of person that uh, he was. And it's definitely interesting to think about like who could step into those shoes. Uh, like those are big shoes to fill, you know, for mm-hmm. somebody that obviously gets it, at least gets what's important. And and he understood that it was important to keep the Nintendo employees happy because there's one thing that Nintendo has never done wrong, and that's make good games. You know, so sure. whether or not their business decisions and like the the hardware and all that stuff like nailed it, their games always did. So it's like him doing that meant that those the people making the games that aren't the one thing Nintendo has going for it, they're not leaving which would make worse games and all that stuff. And so yep. it's like, those are the important decisions, you know? So we sure. need someone to kind of step up and uh, make sure that that stuff's still happening, but then also nail the business aspects. Absolutely. And yeah, that was what was so interesting about Awada to me was that he did have a business mind, clearly. And I, I discussed this with people, too, but I, what I always liked about him, too, is that he... we in In... Gaming, we often give a lot of the personal credit towards um, the artists or the visionaries, and I don't think that he was necessarily a visionary. He was a, a, a um, he's not a Miyamoto guy. That's like you know a character that's kind of like creating the games from the base floor necessarily. Although he did help produce and create some of these great franchises, he was a programmer and a technical person. And with the exception of like Carmack and a few other people, like those kinds of people don't get they get very short shrift in the industry, and yet they're an essential cog in the wheel. And uh, I liked how, unlike Kojima, who's more of like a director and and, and a visionary or Miyamoto or whatever, like Awada was a programmer and a talented, um, you know, uh, uh, scripter and stuff guy. like that. Yeah, exactly. Someone that you, it's it's so essential to have that kind of person. Um, so I wonder if they want to stay in a similar vein like that, that someone that understands games, you know, yeah, at the nuts and bolts level like that, um, which I think some people that even just 
design and animate games don't quite understand mm-hmm. like that. They're necessary. Like those are the always the, the people that make your engines and and yeah. make the game run and stuff like that. I always really enjoyed that about him as well. So, I, yeah, I, I think that they have decisions to be made. I, I my assumption is that the decisions are already being made, have already been made, and and depending on how much they knew about his illness and how serious it was, the decision might have been made before he even mm-hmm. he even passed away. Um, but they're going to obviously give it time and, and flesh things out. There's no reason for them to say anything quickly. I'm sure the st- their stockholders are interested, but um, yeah, I think the future Nintendo is is going. It's going to be different because he's not going to be there. But I think it'll be uninterrupted. I think the vision's laid out. Yeah. This is their last chance at console supremacy. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and or handheld supremacy, depending on what the hell the NX even is. And then they'll, they'll go from there. But with the, with their their move with DNA, and then you know, my my frank hope is that you know eventually they just get get into making awesome Mario games and awesome Zelda games for everyone. But um, that remains to be seen. But I, I, I don't know. You know, it's disruptive from a cultural level, but I don't know if it's disruptive from a strategic level for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Speaking more, just on elaborating on that, like what the actual future of Nintendo is as products and stuff. We've talked about this a million times, but like I think all of us agree that it, it the NX is probably going to be some type of hybrid, some that combines the handheld and the, the console hope. stuff, yeah. and that eventually Nintendo will just go third party or whatever for software and just make games for everyone. Unless this blows up. Yeah. Unless NX is super successful. And then brings everything back and all that. But it's like, is do you think that with all of this, there there's a chance for some other option? Like something else that with now with new leadership coming in, do you think there's any way that someone could come in that would change the path that they're on right now? No, I don't think you can. I, I mean, the the console R and D is probably worth tens of millions of dollars. That the systems, pro- if the rumors are true, the systems are going to be ready to be manufactured by the end of the year, which means they already have a form factor. The internal guts are already there. The controller is done. Um, people are making games for it. So, um, and the rumor was that they were talking. They've been talking to people at shows for a while about it. So it's 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 the console, whatever the NX is, whatever that initiative or that hardware that movement is, is done like or being done, and they can't that you can't not go forward with that and the dna deal with mobile games a their first mobile game will be out by the end of the year and there was a a, a cross-pollination of of real capital between those two companies so you can't go back on it either so i think i again i don't you can't have someone you know take a wattis place in the car driving and then just fucking swerve off the road because i just don't think there's anything there for them but but complete desolation like Mm -hmm. they have to they chose their path i think it's a smart path try one more time with hardware Mm -hmm. listen and figure this shit out that your competitors have figured out a long time ago and make your great games and get, get your shit on mobile mm-hmm. for your home market at the very least. You figure it's not a monarchy, right? It's not like the new president comes in and then it's just like anything I say goes now. There are stockholders. There are all these different people. There, there is, Right now, as they try to figure out who is on that short list, who they're going to go with, they're going to be looking at, we want person X because they're going to be ready to go with what we already are talking mm-hmm. about. They understand what our future is and that's what it's going to be. Yeah. So, guys, leave, in, leave a comment down below about your favorite Iwata memories, whether it's a game or things that he's done or like wonderful speeches that he's given and all that stuff. Um, I forgot to do this earlier, but this is the Kind of Funny Games cast. Every week, day by day, it's broken up topic by topic over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. You can get the whole thing earlier at Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. This one's worth a dollar. You should definitely, definitely do that if you haven't already. So, topic two. A little bit of that Metal Gear action. Oh, all right. Yeah. So there's been a lot going on with Kojima and Konami and all this stuff They're for the last friends. couple of months. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Had a lot of we did some kind of funny reacts on it. Colin did a really, really, really amazing piece on it that uh if you haven't checked out, you definitely should over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. And um now the, the just the, the story continues. Sure. And I feel like this might be like one of the, the final 
things that could possibly happen with this whole, you know, hubba boo of um, Kojima's name being taken off of the box art right. of Metal Gear Solid right. Five. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I was surprised anybody was surprised by it. I thought with this, I thought people had it, their expectations set that this is what was happening, right? This all. If you remember our first like canary in the coal mine that something was wrong was when they started removing his name from the websites and the posters that were up in stores for promotion. His own period. studio. Yeah, exactly. That was like, well, that was like the <laughs> that was like the flare in the night. But yeah, that you know, so I, you knew this was bad, and you uh, this is where it's been. It seems like going. So for mm-hmm. it to come out and then people would be so surprised, it didn't say a Hideo Kojima game at the top, and it didn't have the Kojima Productions logo down the corner. I was like, I didn't know what you were expecting. Like, this is bad. It has been a bad breakup. They are in a very, very bad breakup. And as much as they dance around it in terms of Konami statements or whatever, or Kojima, you know, not even having one statement and then never addressing it again, like. You can read between the lines that shit's mm-hmm. gone south, and yeah. it sucks, and it really, really, really sucks. You know what I mean? Because you figure, from what I've played of it at that two-day event, like, this is the magnum opus. This is, like, the Metal Gear game he's probably always wanted to make. It's, you know, X times bigger than this and that and the other, and da 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 And it's like, now it's, com- I'm sure for him, it's this, he, I, I, I've seen a lot of gamers commenting about this and talking to me about it on Twitter of, like, they feel torn of, this is a shitty fucking move by Konami, but they're still excited for the game. So do they buy the game and support Konami and still support Kojima? Or what? like, it's like Kojima can't be like, I love this game. Everyone go buy it. Cause he does love the game, but he also, it's this weird, totally fucked up situation, right? Of how do you yeah. even voice your anger about this without screwing over him? You know what I mean? Like it comes mm-hmm. down to him at the end of the day in terms of like why people are offended right now and going forward what it means. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It'd be awesome to say, you always talk about speak with your wallets. Like what do you do? You still want to buy this game? Cause it's still his game. Even if they've removed his name and I'm sure it's all screwed up on the inside. You know what I mean? I can't well, wait. I to- mean that that's my thing is like, do you, the last final straw and I don't know if they've confirmed this one way or the other, but in game, yeah. like is his name all over the place? Like it normally is or, yeah. Are they just kind of scaling that back a bit, or is it gone? Yeah, those are the questions. Like that's why I'm so anxious to get a final copy of that game and yeah. see what exactly it looks like. You know what I mean? How? Because everything begins with credits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every one of the story missions opens like a TV episode with credits rolling. Oh, through. really? Yeah. Like, like every mission. Yeah, every story mission, not mm-hmm. just like side ops, but like a main op o- opens and it says, you know, written directed by Hideo Kojima. Da da da. But we were told when we played, like that's going to change. This is going. This isn't the final game. In that, obviously, things have happened. Things are going to change. But it wasn't like a line. Know, but edit. that was told to you in the context of this stuff going on, or just in the context of the game being developed. In the context of the stuff going on, that okay. things are going to change. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, what are your thoughts on the whole like the boycott situation? It's tough. I agree. This reminds me most of affinity to sports teams. What I mean by that is. I was I'm an Islanders fan for a long time. We had a really bad general management. We were an awful team. And the idea was like, well, what do you do about it? Do you do you stop going to games and stop buying merch and then they have yep. less money and then the team becomes fucking worse and then they become more relevant and then they can't hire like it's a, it's tough. You know, like sometimes people like I'm loyal to the Islanders and the Jets regardless. So people are just loyal to that franchise. But I don't I don't think they give a fuck about Konami any more than I gave a fuck about uh, Woody Johnson who owns the Jets. Like, I don't care about him. You know, yeah. like he's I'm sure he's a very nice man or whatever, but I'm not I'm not I don't care if he didn't own the team. Someone else would own the team and they would still yeah. exist. And so I think that that's the best analogy I can I can give is that like you're it's a, it's a, it's the perfect catch twenty two it's the same thing of like when people go to games with fucking paper bags over their heads and they're like well they're still there and you're still paying them but like you know it's like how do you voice that you're not what? happy with these people decisions? do that yeah like it's always like people put like 
gar- like uh, uh, brown pit bags from like supermarkets over their heads and like cut aisle holes. It's like the, it's a show like an emba- you're embarrassed to be a fan of this team or whatever. You're still like you want them to be better. It's like, it's a, mm. it's an old very old symbol in sports, and it's, it's been done for decades and decades. Um, so that's like the best analogy I can come up with is that like there's a there's always gonna be an internal conflict between things that are associated with each other. You know, I love the Jets because I love the organization, I love the players, but I don't necessarily love the coaches. I don't necessarily love the owners. It's mm-hmm. So where does Kojima fit into that then? So so to me it's like it's tough because the owner is like Konami and Kojima is like the fucking baseball manager that you love, but they're gonna fire him at the end of the year and you know it. You know? But do you go to the last game anyway? And you know that that money's not going to him, but you wanna kinda support him and see it. You wanna see what it's gonna be. I think it's a, it's actually a pretty spot on analogy, like in the yeah. sense that it's like what's this is a shitty situation. And the way I put it, I was talking to some people on Twitter. Alexa Ray from from GameSpot was one of them, and I was just like, the, the, "Here's the thing: Kojima is going to be very relevant after this. Konami, not so much. And Konami will be fine because, they, as people know, we've talked about again ad nauseum is they're so much more than a games developer and a games publisher. They just they like they could not do that anymore and be fine. They'll, they'll exist. Um, they're not like you know Deep Silver or something that just that they're just a game publisher. But it's. Konami has burned such goodwill with so many different people over the last year and a half with both Castlevania first and now especially with Metal Gear, which I think is fucking way worse for them, that it says a lot about the quality of the game and the caliber of Kojima that people are still interested in it. Because I think if it was a more of a run-of-the-mill game and people saw one of their beloved um, – what's a good example? Like like the way Inafune was treated by Capcom. Like people were fucking furious about that. Yeah, Like people were really upset about that, and I think Capcom did pay a financial price for it. Um, but the fact that Konami is not going to pay a financial price for it, I understand. I'm not one of these people that's going to be like, you shouldn't buy Metal Gear Solid Five because Konami is. It's like fuck that. Like mm-hmm. I know you're excited about it. My whole personal opinion on it is that I could give a fuck and a half less about that game right now. What I want to know is what the fuck happened. Sure. You know, like, and if someone was like, you can either play Metal Gear Solid Five or find out what happened. I'd be like, I'll find out what happened. I don't never have to see that game. Like I am so. Intri- it's the same thing with the Last Guardian. I, I want to know what happened. Something awful happened. And no one like, knows what it is. It's, it can't just be like a thing of like, oh, we had disagreements. No, something bad happened. Clearly. You I know? mean, what, what could it have been? Is there any, like, idea? Budgets, M- rights. Money. It's yeah, got to be money. Salaries, back-end points. Like, there's a million. You have to imagine it comes down to something like he, Kojima wanted more money. He wasn't, you know what I mean? I, I, and it's not that, that that's wrong, right? When you look yeah, at no, how, much that, you know, how much this franchise means to Konami. Konami doesn't want to give it. But then even, like, it seems like. I can't imagine that it was one event. It wasn't one nuclear bomb moment. It was building, 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 and then there was like this release of whatever of how, you know what I mean of how this was dealt with. And you have no idea, and that's why we're in this situation. I honestly think it's funny because the way it's gone down, right, is they've. And I think, I think if, if you talk to people in the video game industry, most respect Hideo Kojima, right? This has made him a folk hero. He is going to leave. And he is going to make this game that is going to get nines and tens from what I played, right? It'll be in running for game of the year, I'm sure, for a lot of sites and win a lot of things from different people. And the story surrounding it, it's this great game and it's an amazing thing. And they totally fucked the creator and tried to whitewash his name out. And now we're saying his name more than ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, uh, people are talking about him more than ever. And like Colin's saying, there's... Tons of people out there who don't give a flying fuck about Metal Gear The Phantom Pain. We're never going to play it, but now they know a whole bunch about it. Yeah. And they know Kojima's involved. And this, it's like, it's going to be this 
I think amazing swan song to this career with K- Konami, right? Yeah. Making this fr- is swan song to Konami, to Metal Gear, to everything he's done, the Fox engine mm-hmm. that we've heard about for years and years and years. It's going to be this thing where it's like, I bet he comes out to, it'll be one of those things I bet at, I can, you can envision it right now at the video game awards or the game awards this year, the Jeff Keighley thing, right? Like it's already announced that he's gone. As you imagine, as soon as this game comes out, Two three weeks from then, there's an he, Kojima can finally say, "Hey, I'm gone," or whatever. Maybe it's a month. You know what I mean? But his first public appearance, whether it be at E3, whether it be at the game, I mean, it's going to be raucous applause and standing ovation. Yeah, like this guy is a fucking hero right now, and you don't even know what's happening. We he maybe he was a total dick. Maybe yeah, he was seriously, a, I mean, maybe that could have been an asshole to Konami. You know what I mean? But the way Konami has played this publicly, they look like such jerks. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing is that I, I don't. Again, it's all conjecture. We don't know. We're yeah, not going to we, know for we a while. No we idea. will know. But I, I, uh, I'm confident in that we will know. Yeah. I'm sure he's bound by his contract. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't said a fucking word yeah. about anything. Um, and I'm sure that they are not going to put him on the press. You know, fuck tour. no, no. Well, so because yeah. you know he's just going to fucking blow up. So, um, but I, I, I don't think it was coincidence he wasn't at E3. No, like, no it I'm, wasn't like because he's working hard on the game. It's because Konami. I'm sure was like, no, nah, we're just not going to have yeah, you yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, the game's. I'm, I'm sure the game's been done for a while. I think they're probably polishing and and getting ready for cert or going in. They're probably insert. Um, but. To me, the way Konami's dealt with it, and again, not knowing anything factually about it, but just kind of reading into it, is that it was something big, and yeah. and it could have been yeah a, a bunch of you know little, it could have been a, hu- a bunch of you know hundred stabs, or it could have been a fucking bullet wound. You know, well, the I head. think there, there was a straw that broke this right. camel's back for sure. But something definitely went wrong between them. And my 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 assumption is that this game took way too long to make, and it was way too expensive, and, and that was probably it. My, my my assumption: this game has been developed forever. You know, yeah. like I. I like a really long time. So I, I don't I, I would understand why Konami would get mad at that. Here's the fucking fallacy in Konami's thinking though, and they've done it now twice. Is that they remove Igarashi, or Igarashi leaves, and we don't really know what happened there, but they think they can do Castlevania without the man who was associated with it and produced it and was the visionary behind it for like fifteen or twenty years, yeah. Koji Igarashi. And they and, and Castlevania ended up being just shit upon, right? And now they think that they're gonna create Metal Gear games without Ko, without uh Kojima and that people are gonna fucking allow that to happen. Uh, on a commercial level, on a critical success level, and those are big fucking shoes to fill. I think they are delusional. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, um, that's, they, they are delusional with they were delusional with Castlevania, and it blew up in their faces. Yeah. And now they're going to be delusional with Metal Gear. And it's it's you can't have Metal Gear without Kojima. It's not possible. Like I don't I don't understand how he is he has been there the entire time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, since the very since the eighties. Everyone thinks it started with Metal Gear Solid. It started with Metal Gear on MSX, and that and he was there for that. Yeah, you can't just. It's, you it, can't just walk away from that. Well, I was talking about like you know Konami talking about their you know restructuring and moving away from consoles and everything, and I, we still go with that thing that that's fine and that's all well and good. But if that doesn't pan out, or Metal Gear Grounds or Phantom Pain sells gajillions of copies, they're going to start thinking about well, you know, at some point either we need to go back and make that easy money, or fuck it, we'll do another one. And well, that annualized Metal Gear. That's when people can actually stand up and be like, well, fuck, well, no. fuck this, shit. yeah, that's yeah. the one. I mean, because like right now, I, there's no. There's no easy way to punish Konami for the way they're handling yeah. this. Buy the game because this guy, this is the culmination of, like you're saying, all this man's career. And that, from the that's 80s. the way I see it. Is it's just like you know, not buying it isn't really going to hurt Konami that much. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, because there's going to be so many people. It's just it's such a it's a not a united front of a boycott. On the other hand, doing that is hurting the creator of this game. And it's like, I'm sure he wants the money. And I'm sure, like, it sucks that we can't just buy it from him and have him get the money. Because I'm yeah, sure yeah. people would want to do that. But that's not how business works. And that's not how things are. But it's like, as a creator, like, we are creators. We know this. Like, we want 
if we did something that we believe is the best thing we've ever done, we would want as many people to be a part of it as possible. Like, yeah. I'm sure that he wants this game to be played by everyone. I'm sure that if the quality of the game is as high as you say that it is and um, that he feels that way, that he wants everyone to experience it and let it speak for itself in just the sense of like, this is an amazing game. This game might win Game of the Year awards. It's going to be talked about for decades. As, you know, all this stuff. Like, the way we talk about Metal Gear Solid 3 or Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Solid, you know, all, yeah, of, all yeah. of them, really, um, except for 4, but I like 4 a lot. Um, but that's the thing is, like, it's it's silly to me to think of, about not buying this game to, like, say fuck you to someone yeah. because, really, everyone that cares about uh, Kojima needs to play this game. You know, it needs to yeah. talk about this game and needs to talk about why they liked it. And it's not because of Konami, you know? Right. And that's unfair to say, too, because I'm sure, like, there's a, it's not they, just Kojima. They it's paid not, the tickets. Yeah, you know, like, they, they, they made pay. it happen. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. whether... And that's why this, it's so weird to get yeah. in the middle of somebody else's breakup like this, right? Like, your friends are splitting up and one's being publicly weird about it, but the other's being silent. So it's like, well, how do you don't even know... What happened? No one's telling you exactly what happened. You're like, I don't know what to do with any of this information. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that that was the calculation. They, Konami knew they're not stupid. They they knew that they have everyone by the balls. What are you going to do? We own the game. We own the IP, and you're going to buy it. So, you know, this might affect 1% of sales or something, if that. I don't think so. I think no. it's actually going to increase the game sales from the more organic nature it was going to have, have to begin with. I think it was all calculated. Again, they're not stupid. They're delusional. And they're not hurting themselves now. They're hurting themselves later, you know? Mm-hmm. As was shown with Bloodstain when Iga showed, you know, revealed Bloodstain. It's not about the fucking name. Castlevania isn't the isn't doesn't matter. Metal Gear doesn't matter. It's the fucking people behind it, you know, that make the game what it is. You can stamp Castlevania or Metal Gear on fucking anything. It doesn't make it a Castlevania game or a Metal Gear game. The next Metal Gear game after this is going to be by Kojima at another publisher for someone else with mm-hmm. his own studio, and th- they've already said that they're going to continue Metal Gear without him, you know, and like in the AAA space. And what's going to be funny about that is that when he fucking leaves and gets his, his inevitable millions of dollar offer from every fucking publisher under the sun is he's going to take everyone with him. Who the fuck's going to make the game? You know? Yeah. Like, you could look at it in a way of like we talk about with Star Wars where it's finally in a good place because it's the people that understand Star Wars and, and it's the people that grew up playing it and enjoying it or watching it and enjoying it. And so they understand it and it's a good hands. But And you could find the same thing about Metal Gear. I'm sure there's people that are fans or, or in the industry that can treat Metal Gear with care. It's just It's just... It's not quite the same. You're going to be in that shadow forever, and when you're in that mm-hmm. shadow, Konami looks bad. They yep. look evil, right? Mm-hmm. That they took this mm-hmm. away and drove him away, and this is what it is. And so, yeah, it's a no. And it's also just like a Metal Gear game without Kojima isn't a Metal Gear game. Like Revengeance came out, right? And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a cool action game, but I don't, I but don't like not action Metal games. Gear. Like I won't play that. I'm not going to play yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. To me, it's it's they've Konami's never been, uh, you know, uh, good at PR and. They, their silence is very loud with this. They don't say anything. They haven't said a, a word really about what the hell is going on. Like there, there's a million different ways you could spin the PR to make it better for you. And the fact that they don't even want to do that says it all to me. It's like they just the bridges have been burned. We're gonna find out what happened when Kana, when Kojima is able to talk, and he will talk. You know, um, whether whether yeah. there's after the game comes out or whatever. It's the same thing with Inafune. Inafune fucking left, and then a few months later, he just said everything he needed to say. You know, mm-hmm. Iga said everything he needed to say. Yeah, um, the, Kojima's gonna be no different. The exception, the the you know, even though I love those guys more than I love Kojima, the, the thing is that Kojima is way bigger, and he's what he's gonna say has way more resonance. And it's not gonna be about the nature of Japanese games or the nature of publishing games or anything like that. It's gonna be the nature of what the fuck Konami, ha- what happened to Konami, and that's what's so sad to me is as someone who grew up as an NES gamer and 
you know, an SNES gamer is that Konami has fallen from grace in such a tragic and significant way. They were responsible for a lot of awesome games back in the day, and um, they are just a shadow of them for their former selves and it's so sad to watch it happen i wish that they would just give some of these ip to someone else and just fucking go away you know like i like who could treat castlevania and contra and metal gear with care and just yeah. fucking leave i know? mean that, that's <laughs> such a weird thing like that like what you just said sounds so negative and it sounds so like just mean really where it's just like just fucking stop we don't like you is what it sounds like and it's like i don't like that that's the feeling we all have that the, these people that have created metal gear solid which is one of my favorite franchises of all time like it's weird the way i feel going into five hearing all this stuff doesn't make me feel good it makes me feel super mean-spirited and like super like fuck you about stuff instead of thank you for allowing this game to happen which is how i felt for so long you know and it's the thing about it's hard on top of like just what's happening with kojima is that it's being paired with the announcement of konami i feel like saying like we're done with console games like we're mo- that's not our focus. We're not we're going forward. We're taking our foot off that gas. So it's almost like you already know they're leaving. They're already ejecting out of mm-hmm. the realm I deal with Konami in, right? Like, when am I going to talk to them about their pachinko machines. pachinko machines and stuff like that? And I'm not insulting that business. It's yeah, just not it's my not. business. So it's like it's the thumb in the eye over this Metal Gear stuff, and it's also the flick of the cigarette at you of like, fuck it, I don't, we're just out of here anyway. So what does it matter? Patch work. And you have to, and you have to understand that the, re- the reason I sound mean or like personal is because they've done they already did this with another franchise and another creator, and, well, and it's yeah, like this is sure. this is this has already happened. Mm-hmm. You know why are they doing this? Yeah. You know, like why are they doing this? And and that's that's the big question I have. And of course, it's dollars and cents, and that makes sense to me, but. You know, it just sucks that it has to be. It has to be this way, and it's, all, it's a timing thing. I mean, like the the reason I feel so weird is it's before the game's out. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. mo- like this happened months before the game came out. There was an E three that Metal Gear stuff happened, and it felt weird. You yeah, know, this was it a was weird, weird E3. having Kojima not there. It was weird not seeing Metal Gear on one of the 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 conferences. And it's like, yeah, we've seen it before, so maybe it didn't necessarily need to be there, but. It's got to be tied Metal to this, Gear though, Solid right? Five. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, how was that? How did that trailer not debut on the PlayStation? Yeah, the stage have a live demo or something. And it's like that's weird, and it, it all feels wrong. It feels dirty, and it, it just feels it makes us not feel good about what we love. Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't yeah. like that one bit. Yeah, it's not it's not personal on a level of like we're going to judge the game based on the way we feel about the publisher. But of course, it's not personal in that way. It's personal because we're gamers and we have ownership in some way over these franchises. And Konami's gotten thousands of dollars from me. You know, mm-hmm. like it's I bought every fucking Castlevania game, every one of them basically. You know, like I I you know Metal Gear was a, you know Zone of the Enders, like Contra, lots of you know Blades of Steel. There's a fucking million games that. You know, I loved growing up that were theirs. And so it's it's personal on that level where it's like, what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? Why why are you allowing this to happen to your legacy and to to the great games and the great creators that helped you make these games? And why are you making these weird decisions? Even if it's a financial way, there's a more elegant way to do it. Mm-hmm. If you want to get out of it or you don't want you, there's an elegant way to handle this. It should have never been handled like this. The Igarashi situation was much more behind closed doors, but you know, clearly they just locked him away and fucking wouldn't let him make any games that he wanted to make. And then, um, you know, with this situation, it's just like, you know, again, the Igarashi situation is all anecdotal. And so is this. It's just it, because we still have not heard from the horse's mouth himself about what the hell happened. But that's why it's that's why it's it's it sounds mean spirited. And it's, and it's like the way I put it is way nicer than a lot of people are fucking putting yeah, it. No, no, like I, the, I'm the, not the, saying that you're being mean. I'm saying no, that it's like, no, it's, I know that. But I'm saying like there are some people that are like ent- to the nth degree fucking upset about this on big outlets. Mm-hmm. And, and I 
understand because it's it's a it's a fucking meltdown. You know, it's a total meltdown. And it's a shitty situation that sh- it it like we're talking about. You know, we're throwing it on like you know Konami and like we, what they're doing and stuff. And really, like how many people there are making those decisions and doing those things, right? There's so many people who work at Konami and probably are fucking Kojima fanboys and, and they hate what's going on for themselves exactly and you it's know? like what do you do like you know what I mean like this is just so messy right now it's yeah. exactly what you talk about right like you feel gross having to deal with it right we just want to fucking talk about this awesome video game and mm-hmm. Diamond Dogs yeah. and Didi you know what I mean there's so much good Didi. fucking shit to talk about that game mm-hmm. But it's so weird when, when you go and when you want to play the game and they're like oh this is going to change and things are going to be removed and stuff it's like why what could he have possibly done mm-hmm like and that's why that's why I'm not and to your point like I'm not wholly convinced that he's not responsible for this problem but still it's just an it, it seems but yeah, there's a level of immature done? there's a level of immaturity about right, the way for it's being sure handled. I mean now having said that there's not many directors of movies that their name gets put on the poster like huge you know what I mean like yeah um, there's not many games that have like is there any game besides Kojima Sid Meier. oh Sid Meier and like uh I mean, not even Tom Clancy, just, but I think just his name there. Dialing back, dialing back, I want to go back to movies, because there are plenty of movies that get promoted that way, from the creator of The Walking Dead or whatever in the trailer, and then it'll say that on the poster and stuff, too. But, yeah. I mean, but I think that's a little bit different, though. Like, that's less about the director and more about, you liked this thing, you'll like this thing. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the name, yeah. you know? But Something, there are, I mean, no, there Quentin are, Tarantino, there, you know what I mean? There are, but there's not, when you think about how many movies are being made sure. and all this stuff, there is only... A couple guys, right. right? When you think of the games and games, it's smaller than movies, and there's only a couple guys the mainstream even knows, right? You yeah. got the Miyamoto, you got Kojima. There's not many others. I know. You I'm know, with like you. Cliff I'm just Blazinski, saying, but I think like, as, as small as that, that that pool you want to make, Kojima's in it. Well, Kojima is the dude. Like, yeah, I think he is the only one that I can think of that that I can. Really remember games where, besides Sid Meier, but it's like his name's just all over that game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for him, for his name not to be on the box, it's one of those things where for it to be taken off is like that sounds immature and that's bad. Did, it, did his name need to be on the box in the first place? I mean, tradition says yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's his thing. We do all love this game because it's his game. But it's like I don't think his name being on the box is that big of a deal to begin with. But the fact that it was there and it was taken away, the way it's being done, yeah. dirty is what is why it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. If, if they would have if they would have released the first shot of yep. posters and material, and, and it didn't say a Hideo Kojima game, Fox yeah. or Fox Engine, right by uh, Kojima Studios, different story. Mm-hmm. But now that they're like subtly erasing this stuff and acting like you won't notice or that yeah. it shouldn't matter, that's the weird part. Yeah, I mean it. It is weird because really, who is that sending what message to? Like, what's the point? And that's what I'm saying about the folk hero, man. Like, I think it's he is going to be like we're, we're talking like uh, just the way it was all presented. Konami looks bad, and he looks good. And whether maybe we're gonna find out that yeah, he fucking punched somebody at Konami, said he was bigger than this whole fucking publisher himself, and he was a total dick and diva about it. And but, oh fuck, we read this one wrong. But like, yeah, it doesn't matter for now because this mm-hmm. is what's happening, and like the game's gonna come out, and it's gonna be great, and he's gonna everyone who. Everyone who play, was going to play Metal Gear and knew that Kojima was behind it was going to have known it, whether the name was on the box or not. And if the name wasn't on the box and you didn't notice or care, then you just that person. Mm-hmm. But now it's one of those things, yeah, that if you don't even care about the Metal Gear franchise, you're well aware of what's happening. This is yeah. like, And that it, it also killed PT and it also did this. And it's all, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, Silent Hills. I totally, that's, a, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, I totally haven't even thought about that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. What the hell is going on over there? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, here's this pr- thing that you all fucking love. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, yeah, now it's all fucked up. Fucking A, dude. Yeah. That makes it even worse. All right, guys. Moving on to topic three. Morpheus. Morpheus. Plot what if I told you? Oh, that, that Morpheus. Yeah, not, not okay. the Matrix okay. Morpheus. No. So, Greg. Yeah. We did a little San Diego Comic-Con We did do week. a little San Diego Comic-Con. We uh, ran around at a whole bunch of different stuff, met a whole bunch of different people. Didn't play too many games. We did have one little opportunity to play some stuff. We played with the Morpheus, and we played a little bit of Battlefront. Did you get to play Battlefront I didn't at play all? Battlefront. I played for like five minutes. Okay. It looks awesome. Yeah, it's super fun? cool. Yeah, we did a little split screen. Uh, Nick had Nick? a problem. But yeah, me and Nick did it. couldn't invert. Yeah, Nick couldn't invert, Nick which sucks. is some bullshit, though. They should no, be... Nick sucks. I hate it when demos don't have the option to let you like do something that simple. Sure. Like, but I understand. Also, I not... hate that Nick sucks. Uh, I, don't I would, know build, that, I would I don't be able to play so it either. He sucks. But you could, just, you'd uh... be all right. Yeah. Remember that one day where you started thinking inverted? Just out of the blue? <laughs> Anyways, that was cool and all. But Morpheus was the thing that I was like, oh, shit. Right. This is awesome. Right. Have you played it before, Colin? Yes. Okay. Several times. Have you played it before? Yes. Okay. This is my first time playing it since New York Comic Con. This so is I've my, missed a lot of stuff. This is my first time using Morpheus. I've used Oculus before. And what's that other one? There's another one, but I don't remember it. There's, There's just... another big one. The, the gear. gear VR headset? Yeah. I've never used, never used that one. Okay. Um, HoloLens? And then Brandon. Brandon Lodge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has his whole thing going. And so me and Nick did a demo of that at E3 last year. So I'm familiar enough with all this VR stuff. And we've talked about VR a million times in the sense that it's, you know, more gimmicky than gamer-y. And sure. Like, what are the real applications for all this and all that? Having said that, we played it. And all of us had huge smiles on our faces. Yeah. And were in love with it. Yeah. Thought it was super fun. And then we all left. We talked about it for a bit. And we're like, oh, this is so great. And that was cool. And this is cool. Yeah, but do you want one? No, not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Let me know your experiences. Well, here's what I want to lay out. That I, this is, a, this is a, a golden tidbit that I mentioned to you guys. And you and I heard Nick say when I had headphones on, we can't see what you're seeing. And I never told you. And I, this is this is one of those things that, don't get me wrong, Maybe this is just in there to begin with, but we have something to do with this. Um, so we sit down to do the first one, Playroom VR, and I'm basically a monster calling in the Morpheus that's chasing them down the street, and I got to smash my head into buildings and stuff to try to knock down their... But it's just fun. It's just a stupid on-the-rails thing where I'm smashing my head into things. Great. But in the part where I'm just waiting for the game to start, right, you're in this area and you're looking around and there's all the buildings with the little dudes. You remember these guys that are in the controller? They're, the, they're in the playroom thing doing their thing. And I shit you not, I look over here, Colin, and there's a little dude watching TV and on his nightstand is a frame... That, that framed photo. This framed photo of Sh- Shuhei Yoshida. And, like, granted, this is the the shoe photo you see all the time everywhere. But, like, in a, in frame, a frame, sitting yeah. right there. And, like, we were the ones who brought that into the public consciousness of having it around. But Morpheus. <laughs> Outside of just the shoe hate Easter egg. But, I mean, I think that's cool, though. Like, it's things like that that make Morpheus cool, that make it go, like, from... All right, whatever. I just I'm in this video game. Yeah. To this is a world. I'm in a world. There's all these cool little things to look at. I think the funnest part is there's that moment when you put it on and it's just like, oh god, I don't like this. It's not in focus. Things don't look quite quite right. Quite right. It's just all kind of weird. And then once you're in the world, and once you're over that, and you stop thinking about it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, oh shit, I'm just in this world. Right. So looking over and seeing pictures, looking over and seeing all this different stuff, it's giving you things to focus on. And make you forget that you have this stupid thing. For on your me, head. it's whenever you take when I, you take the time off between Morpheus demos and you put it on and you start and you're like, okay, cool. And then you're like, 
oh, right. And like I, I got all in close on the Shuhei photo and looked around. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. And I turned around and see what's behind me and above me. And you're looking all over. The, and like that immersion moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then like in the... The demo where I'm chasing you guys, I'm this weird, snaky, lizardy creature, right? And I'm, uh, you're on rails going down the street, smashing the buildings with your head and stuff. And I'm a little hungover, so I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to really move my head too frantically. But you're knocking stuff down, and it's fun. And you know, I'm coming low, and there was like a light post, and I like lifted my hand. I was like, all right, and, like that doesn't do anything. It's not gonna hit yeah. my hand or whatever. And then you know, you get into, and I'm, fi- you guys are shooting at me, and I'm trying to dodge all your projectiles. And eventually, you know, no matter what, you're gonna lose, and you get thrown out into space. And as I'm in space, I'm like looking out towards. I think the moon or whatever and then I look back and I can see my own tail and stuff like I could finally see my body and it was like that's awesome that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a fun experience you know what I mean like wh- I don't play Playroom other than when we did it for the trophies <laughs> with the PlayStation yeah. 4 so I wanted to play Playroom VR but it's like it is one of those scenarios of like oh this is how the tech can work all these are tech demos mm-hmm. right to show you how cool this could be and what yeah. it could do yeah so we did that demo yeah. and then I I didn't get to use the VR for that I just used the PS4 controller because um, I, I was chasing your character. Yeah, you were chasing us. And it was fun, and, but it just felt like a, a Mario Party minigame yeah. that you don't really want to play. You're just kind of like, all right, I can do this, and it's fine. Um, but then the next demo we did was called London Heist. Yeah, some, Getaway like London Heist. Get, or yeah. Whatever it was, yeah. And you're in a car. And so how this was set up was there was a TV in front of us so that the guys that weren't playing could see what we saw. And we just had the thing on. We had two move controllers in our hands. And the triggers would act as your fingers. So if you would turn your hands, like, whatever way you turned your hand, it would move. And if you moved the trigger, it would, like, have your finger do an action. So you're in this car. There's a guy driving. Um, Just, yeah, London Heist, sorry. Yeah, the on the wrong guy. side because it's London. Yeah. Um, Oi! So he's all driving and stuff. And then you're just in this car. And the first maybe two minutes of it. Or maybe minute, you're just kind of driving, and he's just saying all this stuff, and you can kind of just freeform explore what you're doing. Yeah, you pick up soda, you open the glove box, you can open the door and look out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. like you can actually open the door, lean out, and like see, move your head around, see like the you know ground right. speeding by and stuff. Nick Scarpino, oh, you can adjust, twice. adjust the mirror, you can pull the, uh, <laughs> the the windshield down, and um, there's a soda that you can pick up, start drinking, and all that stuff. And something that was really interesting to me is. All three of us did the exact same thing, which was we did all this. Like we opened up the um, – what's it called? The drawer? Glove box. The glove box, yes. And uh, we were opening up that. We like moved some things. And then we look over at the guy and we instantly try to start hitting him. Yeah. We instantly start like hitting him in the dick and like fucking just like doing all this stuff. I didn't you know? hit him in the dick. I think I tried to pet his face. Whatever it was, everyone's trying to mess with this dude and grab the steering wheel and mess it up. Yeah. But it's like that's a testament to two things to me. One, how immersive the experience was where we thought that would actually affect something yeah. because everything else felt so right. And two, to the fact that we are gamers and this is a gaming thing. What we were doing right there was testing the rules of this. We what wanted the to know the rules of the world, how this game worked, what we were doing, and what we couldn't do. Because that works with our arsenal of how do we play this game? How can we problem solve the problems that are c- going to come to us? And it's almost as if that was timed for all of this. Because right then, motorcycles kind of come by and there's gunners on it shooting at you. And the guy hands you a gun and you grab it. And from then, your right hand always just has the gun. And he's like, there's clips in the glove box. Glove box. You open up the box and you have the um, the clips and you slam your hands together and you start shooting. From the moment you first do that, it's just like you just feel like you're in it. Like it was yeah. like, I'm in a Fast and Furious movie. I've been here before. I know what I'm doing. You just start shooting all these fools and it's just intuitive just like yeah. doing it. It's like I've never been in a gunfight. You know what I mean? Why sure, is that intuitive? Sure, sure. 
but it's just it felt right because in the world I was in an action movie. That to me is another key point that goes directly against what I was saying a second ago. That moment that said this is a game, I'm now using my gamer skills, went away when I realized I'm just in an interactive movie. This is not a game. This is a video that is playing, and when I shoot something, a video happens and occurs. It triggers an animation, and it just kept going, and it was damn fun. Seeing guys fall and hit the windshield and making you jump back yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. stuff. Shoot the gas tanks awesome. to blow up the cars was, or shoot the drivers to have them lose control. Yeah, it was super great. I finished the demo. You did it. Nick did it. Like All three of us were like, no, you got to try this. You got to try this. Yeah, Even yeah. though after the first time, because we all had seen it, we're like, oh, I think I get it, I get it. But it's like, no, no, no. You need to do this. This is actually cool. Yeah. But then my takeaway from it is it reminds me a lot of Time Crisis, like the arcade game. Sure. Which is awesome fun, and it's a great game. I don't need every game to be like that. And guess what? Time Crisis is an experience you play for two hours, you're done. You never need to do it again. You know, like, it's just like, it's a, it's a thing and it's over with. Right. Also, there's, it reminded me a lot of, like, Disneyland rides or just, like, those, like, those old the like 4D rides where it's like the escape from Dinosaur Island or you know whatever it is you're sitting in the seat watching a movie and you feel really immersed in like in this experience the winds in your face but that's it yeah you know it's like that's it's more of a movie than a game sure but I mean that's it's being unfair right because it's just a tech demo you have to imagine that being part of a game and then expanded on elsewhere right because we're in God mode we're getting shot a bunch and we're not having to worry about our health right mm-hmm. or how we're doing that. Uh, I believe in, like, if they want Morpheus to be success, right, they have to be committing to, all right, that's part of this game. That's like, you know, in Uncharted when you're, you know, they showed, like, at E3, Drake and Sully going down the hill, right, in the Jeep. Like, the whole thing isn't driving. That's just a section you're in. And sh- you can't stop the Jeep and get out or you fail the mission, right? Same kind of thing. That There has to be those moments where that's happening. Yeah. You know, hopefully the rest of the game wouldn't be like that. You know, there's more sneaking, hiding, doing whatever. But, I mean, see, that's the interesting thing to me is, like, I don't know if then it would be fun. Sure. Like then, all of a sudden, the things that I liked about it are gone, and it's no longer immersive. And the the moment you add more rules to it, besides that, you just can't hit this bald dude next to you. When it's you can't do this, and you can't do this, you can't do this. Then it becomes well, what can I do? What's yeah. the point? What was cool about this is the fact that I could drink the soda. I dropped the soda and I tried to pick it up later. Like uh, opening the thing, moving the windshields. Who the fuck cares about moving windshields? Everything I just described is not thrilling stuff you yeah. know it's just the fact that i could do all these minimal things that but that's matter. i mean that's the problems with i mean that's the thing you run into all the time with games in period right if you're playing spider-man but you can't go in any of the buildings in new york you mm-hmm. know what i mean or you can only go in these buildings or yep. whatever you know what i mean like games give like i was playing the batgirl dlc last night right and uh you get to i'm i clean out this one room of bad guys and i'm gonna go out and do the next thing and it's a small amusement mile kind of map and there's one door that's locked and i'm like oh I wonder if that's the one door that'll come in. And sure enough, then you know, towards the, the climax, like go to this place. You're like, okay, that door's unlocked now magically. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's the thing about games is that you always have to suspend your disbelief. The problem with Morpheus is what you're saying is like the first time you do this, you're like, holy shit, that was awesome. It feels so real. And then yeah, there's the moment of like fucking rubbing your hand on this guy's face and he's not even commenting on it. You're like, well, that's you know, I mean, there's gonna yeah. be those moments of where you butt up against the reality of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So then, so we did that demo, and then the last demo we got, uh, no, you did one more. I did a puzzle game demo, right? Yeah, it was like Tetris in 3D, where you, your perspective, you were the um, block falling forward towards the thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like those, like, Japanese game shows, like Wipeout or whatever. exactly. There's the, you see the the shape. (laughs) 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 What's the one I'm thinking of? I think you and I used to make fun of this one, I thought, Colin. The one where it was on Fox really briefly, where, like, the... 
cut out is coming. Oh, yeah, people... that's, that's uh, uh, hole in the wall. Hole in the hole wall. wall. It was, that's that's it's time to face the hole. <laughs> and then it's like, and then it shows the, like, this was hole in the wall of the game. Oh, and it was awesome. like, you're, you, as you went through, like, you know, you start with a very simple square and it goes through that you have to, you're moving your, like, you're, since you're back behind the square, you have to move your head around to see what the hole is going to be. You're not moving to hit the hole. You always see the hole. You're always coming right at the hole. But as you go, more squares start to come on. So, like, you know, you ha- if you rotate it one way, it looks like an everlasting gobstopper and it's all fucked up. And if you rotate it the other way, it looks like a perfect T and you have to go through the perfect T hole and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was interesting. It was it just another cool. puzzly game. And, but I mean, see, that's. Play. That's a game, yeah. you know? But to me, that was just more about the 3D aspect instead sure, of the VR sure. aspect. But still, cool. That's a usage for an actual video game, so yeah. that's exciting. Then the last demo we saw, I think, was most interesting to all of us. It wasn't the most fun. Definitely the getaway one was the, or the London one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was the most fun. Um, but I think the most interesting was this last one called The Kitchen. Yep. Where it was a Capcom game that they turned off the TV, so the other people not playing couldn't see it. Have you done this one yet? Mm-hmm. So it was a horror game, and um, when you go into it, it was really interesting because Greg was the first one to play, then Nick, and then me. So I'm kind of sitting there watching their experiences, not knowing what's happening to them. And they handed the, the people handed them a PS4 controller, so they're holding it. And as they were going on, like pretty much as soon as it started, I noticed that they went like this, and they put their like forearms close together, and they started pulling it really close to their body, and it's like. That wasn't doing anything really with the the controller. So I was like, why the fuck are they doing that? Like, there's no way that it's going to get their elbows. Like, why are they moving that way? And they just looked really kind of like compact and like they they felt stressed and like we're trying to be as small as possible. And I was like, what the hell is happening? And then when I played it, it's essentially Saw the video game. You wake up and you're just tied down to a chair and your hands are tied together. So instantly I felt myself doing it too. And I was like, oh... This felt so real to them and to me that when I look down to see my hands are tied together, I'm acting like my hands are tied together. And that was a cool moment because I was definitely like, oh, shit, like this game is affecting me in real life. Yeah. Then you're sitting there and there's this dude in front of you who's laying down who looks like he's dead. He gets up and he like, he's like, oh, shit, you're, you're okay, you're okay. I'm going to try to help you. Grabs like a saw and he comes and like starts sawing the thing in front of you and it gets really close to you and you start moving back naturally like avoid the saw and it's like fuck this is really cool then this like grudge girl comes running up and like kills him and it's super graphic and gory and scary then there's like you have 3d headphones on so she like runs around you and you start like looking around following her and you just see little like the pitter patters of like where she was and stuff and it gets like really scary and freaky then she goes away and this whole thing you don't know where she's at and eventually after uh, a while I look up, like straight up from the roof, and she comes down and like kills you, and like that's it. And after that, I was like, whoa, that was an awesome experience. But again, it was a movie. Sure. I just played through a movie. That one was for sure the movie. And it's interesting to hear your your thoughts on it because mine were completely different of like the saw stuff. Yeah. And when she disappeared, I was just like looking at the door where she left, and I never looked to the side or down or up. So I just like heard her moving around. I was like, Meh. When is she, she going to come? And then finally, like, her hand came over my face. I was like, oh, hey. Oh, really? And that was the end of my demo. Well, see, <laughs> see, but that's the thing. Like, and that, again, we we are critics and we think about these things in different ways than I think a lot of people do. So as it was happening, I'm a video guy. So I'm sure. definitely thinking about this from a video perspective of, oh, how are they doing this? Like, well, it would be cool if they did this. And I look, I'm like, oh, they're doing it. You know, stuff like that. But, yeah, sitting there, I was definitely thinking. I was like, okay, so there's sound over here. What if I just look over here? Is anything going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Nothing's happening. Okay. 
I guess I'm supposed to. Oh, yep, there she is. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like things like that were going on. Um, and it was weird because she was gone in that room for an extended period yeah, yeah, of time. Yeah. And you can't move. Like, there's yeah. no way to get out of the chat. I, I was waiting to, like, rock it back and forth or something. Yep. And, yeah, you know, and it just didn't happen. But they did they did that on purpose for you to start looking around and stuff. And it's funny that you just didn't do I it. I just didn't look the right ways, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, because if you did look when you heard the sounds, like, you would just catch her feet at the last seconds. Gotcha. Like, running gotcha. away, which gotcha. is cool. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, then the final thing is, like, I guess you, for her, she just put the hands over. But, yeah, yeah it, was me, like it was like she came over the back of my head. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was definitely more of, like, a Drop coming down. down from the the roof, hands over. Gotcha. And, like, gotcha. pull up. Gotcha. So it's cool. What demos did you do? Um, the underwater one, deep, um, right? deep, the, deep. the deep or whatever. E Valkyrie is still like my jam. Um, and a couple of others, but, uh, uh did you guys didn't play rigs? Was that, no, they didn't have rigs there. Rigs is the one I think that's going to that maybe be the big, their biggest one. Um, just based, I didn't get to play when we were at E3, but people just talking about it. I was like, this sounds fucking awesome. A good studio did it too. Um, but yeah, I, I, one thing resonated me with with me that you said very early on, which is that like you know everyone's like, oh, it's fun. Do you want one? No. Like I am all in on Morpheus. Like yeah. I I I don't know if it's going to be commercial. Like, we've talked about it uh, so much. The there's going to be quality problems with some of the games, and there's going to be likely commercial problems for it as well. But I think it's going to be good. And um, you have to remember, like you're criticizing the games. You guys have things to say about the games, of course. I mean, as we as we all should. They're learning. They're not going to know what works until people start playing these games. Yeah, yeah. And because they're all insular, they're gonna they're gonna play test and stuff like that. But once once Morpheus is in the wild and a few million people have one and they're playing these games, then they'll figure out what works and what doesn't. And that's why I feel like they don't really. You have, it, it it reminds you a little bit of what we were saying about Batman, where I was like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. They should have just made more Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have to go crazy with like the drone shit just to make make something different it's not necessary i think the obvious solutions are going to be the right solutions for game for, for morpheus and for oculus which is uh what do, can i do in third per like in, in first person rather like for instance at e3 i thought y- your your comment about how they the, you thought they were going to say everything was on morpheus made sense to me until i was like well but how and why like how would horizon be in morpheus it doesn't make any sense like so you're gonna it's third person. So the game's gonna be in first person for you and, and more you know what I mean? So I was like Oh, I just meant it's like a cinematic view. No, I understand that, but I was just like but I was starting to think about it because I think you, I thought I thought you were right at the time, but then I started to really think about it more critically and I'm like, that doesn't you don't have to go crazy with it. Something like E Valkyrie makes E Valkyrie, man, I'm gonna be if they really said as a they're going to as a real game, I'm gonna be obsessed with that fucking game. See, I wanted to try that one. I was upset they didn't have it. It's, that was the mech one, right? No, it's the it's a you're like a a space pilot, pilot, like a fighter pilot in space. Oh, it's no, fucking. That was the really as good. I said that before. Cool. That's the game that made me a believer in VR when I played. I was like, this is on. That was a as people have said before, and I put it before. It was a religious experience when I played that game. I was like, I can't believe this. I can't. And this was like three years ago when I first played it. I was like, I can't believe this is real. I can't believe you're doing this. Is what you're doing? This is unbelievable. And. uh I think that if we want to see a future of VR, unfortunately, we're going to have to. Some, even people that are skeptical are going to have to make the plunge, make that the commercial plunge. For it. Exactly, we have to. We, we'll figure this out together. I believe in VR. I think that I don't believe in motion controls. I don't believe in connect and all this shit. I believe that VR could be a very viable thing, and and it will be a very viable thing. I think it's here to stay, and I I think they just have to figure things out. That's it, you know. But I think the motion controls are such a big part of this. And I think that it's, I mean, from a commercial standpoint, like one of my first thoughts was, great, so I need two move controllers for this in addition to the thing. That's going to make an even bigger commercial. Sure. The camera and the light bar and the move controllers are all intimately intertwined with each other, which makes a lot more sense from the design aesthetic of the controller when you really think about it. But uh, 
I'm not saying that. I'm saying like waggle and all that kind of stuff on its own mm. is dumb. Waggle because your your hands are in the fucking game is a totally different thing, and, and that is going to be the conduit by which you play them. I hope that they figure out a, a more elegant solution than the move. But I I I wonder if some of those schematics we saw like a long time ago about the the controller that breaks apart and stuff like that is actually going to be a real thing. Mm. Um, it's interesting you say this because yeah. you make a point about. They just need to go for the the easy wins, and they just need to do the things that where it works. Just do that. Yeah. But I feel like that's the the same could be said about motion control. It never happened. Like, where's the lightsaber game that we wanted on Wii? You know, like why did that never happen? Why did the why is this, why was Zelda never exactly what we wanted it to be? I don't because I don't think Motion Plus made it a little bit better, but I just don't think Wii was capable of doing what we wanted it to do. I think that Morpheus and and maybe to a bigger extent Oculus because it can run on more powerful rigs is the realization of what we hoped VR would be for 25 years and because VR has been banging around forever and it, it's it's but it's now here to stay because they've made they people with money are behind it and the technical limitations of it are being uh, lifted every day and i just think that they have to look at you know the the heist the london heist which is by london studio i think right yeah, get, and i think that it, the, you guys did get away getaway time like that sounds fun and that sounds interesting and I'd, I'd like to I'd like to play that. But to me, when I sat and played Eve Valkyrie for the first time, I'm like, this is so obvious. This is exactly what you should be doing with VR. I'm a fucking fighter pilot. You know? This is fantastic. This is I'm sitting down. It already makes sense. I'm sitting and I can see my hands and my look down and my legs or whatever, but it's it's a first person game and this makes perfect sense. You know? And mm-hmm. they have so that is an easy win in the sense that it, it, it takes thought and it takes time, but it's obvious that like so people have to look at the, at these games and be like, not everything's gonna work as a VR experience. So what will work as a VR experience? And then let's do those things. And they have to be less of these like I wonder like how these are gonna translate into games and if they're all gonna be games or some of them are gonna be games. The only things that I've seen that Sony has done with Morpheus that seems like it's gonna be a full fledged game is Rigs, which is why I was curious about if you played it or not. Yeah, they didn't um, have unit. But even then, like are the like if London Heist is a game, what is it? Or is it that experience you pay five bucks for it and it's something that you show your friends or something like that? And see, know? that's my thing is it's like if they were to go that approach and just make a ton of these cool little experiences, I'm in it. Like it doesn't need to be a game. It doesn't need to be a full-fledged thing. And like I guess my worry is I, I experience all this stuff and I'm like these are tech demos. Like I don't see them as experiences. I'm like these are tech demos for things that are going to force into games that aren't going to work because it's just a part of the game and it's just not going to be as good as this, this vertical slice of what we're getting. But if instead of that they just – it is more of like a app-based thing or like a, a Netflix style like just – But it won't be. Buy what you want. I know exactly. It won't be. But – if it was just the the kitchen demo or the no not demo the kitchen experience or the getaway experience or the fighter pilot thing whatever it's like give me a super awesome small thing a bunch of little of those because I don't know that it necessarily warrants a eight hour game experience you know yeah these give me a super awesome one hour experience I feel like that'd be super great you know that's not gonna happen. No, and I, I mean, I think we can have the best of both worlds. I think you can have a 100-hour immersive game on, on Oculus, and you can have Eve Valkyrie, which is going to be also, an, I, I feel like that's going to be a, a really big game. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how the whole ecosystem works out. Unfortunately, again, like, they have to make capital investment early on, and then they have to pay very close attention to the way, like, almost heat mapping games to figure out w- what people are doing in them and how they're playing them, and then get that, that bullshit out and start focusing on the things that matter. My... M- 
my my instinct though is that they don't know what matters, and they're not and they're not going to know until mm-hmm. it's too late for them to do anything about that first generation of games. Mm-hmm. It's the second generation of games that will make or break Morpheus and will make or break Oculus. Um, but I do believe VR is here to stay. Like, yeah. Absolutely, I'm I'm. I am not a believer in a lot of ancillary tech and stuff like that, but I am I am on board with Morpheus. I will have a Morpheus yeah. the day it comes out. There's no doubt about it. Like playing it, like doing the getaway demo. Like one thing I was thinking about almost the entire time was how ridiculous it would be if there was a steering wheel peripheral in front of me and I was actually driving. Like I feel like that would just be insane. And so there is opportunities for it to fit into real games, but I just I think it's just going to be an investment for so many people that they need. You need it can't just be a controller because a controller is not going to feel right for. So many of these experiences. Sure. You need to be able to use your hands. And that means whatever the, the move thing, which just has weird lobster claw stuff, or steering wheels, or you know what I mean? They're just it needs yeah. to be stuff that works for the thing. And if the last thing I want is a million peripherals in my house, but it's like if the game comes with a specific peripheral that is made for that game, that could be good. You know, make it the experience for the specific thing. Not a chance in hell. Not a chance in hell. No. Yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it all goes down. All I know is that um, I think there's promise here. I, I think I think there's reason to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. They just have to get over the the bullshit and uh, and 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 do the, the proper investments in making these things worthwhile for consumers to own, and then they will, and then they'll have they'll have the room to maneuver. But um, I'm just more excited to see like how much it's going to cost and when it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. I don't have faith in the proper investments being made, and so that's why I don't think necessarily it's here to stay i think it's really cool and really exciting right now i think sony will do a move with it though and then it'll not sell and won't go and then oculus's penetration is up to oculus there you go all right guys final topic of the day as always user questions go over to kindoffunny.com slash forums go into the kind of funny games cast topic or um Thread? thread? No, it's not a thread. It's the uh, it's board. form. It's a sub form. The mm. board. The board. Yeah. The board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then the, there is a so thread. There is a thread about uh, the kind of funny games cast topics. Submit some there, just like all these people did, and we will read them on the show. Starting with Jax eighty one X, which oh. fall twenty fifteen games are most likely to be l- delayed until twenty sixteen? Tomb Raider. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking too. Oh, and you think? Do you think that because of Fallout? Yeah. I think it'll be ready. I just think it, I think it's a huge blunder to release that game at the same time. Now, some people say, "Well, with different audiences," and I'm like, "I don't think so." You know, everyone on your Xbox One playlist that day is gonna be playing Fallout Four. Uh, I, I, it's November 10. I think I don't, I don't, I don't see why. The only reason that they would release it then is because Uncharted's not coming out, so they can at least do that adventure, that, that adventure, you know, action adventure kind of thing. Yeah, but I, I think that game. It doesn't. It, it might be ready, and I'm sure it, it will probably be ready. But I don't think it makes sense. They should just sit on it. You know. Of course, my pick is Persona Five because <laughs> there's not a chance in hell of that coming out in North America 2015. Take it to the bank. I don't care what the website says. And although I think it's it's somewhat suicidal to guess this now because it seems obvious with IGN first No Man's Sky thing that they're going to announce the date at the end of it, but I I still don't understand how it's coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get anything about that game. I mean, that's not so much a delay. Did they announce that it's they coming s- this year? Yeah, they've been saying that. A lot of people, a lot of people have been saying that about that game too. And then I saw, yeah, they, I think it's them that's that's saying it. Mm-hmm. I hope it does come out this year. I want to play it, but I don't understand how the game could possibly be that done. But okay. we'll see. Yeah, Persona Five is a good a good guess too. Gazaka three K eleven. Gazaka. Gazaka. Where is a GTA Five story DLC? And it's when a, do you think it'll come? It's a great question. Do they p- promise that ever? 
No, I don't. I don't know if they did, but I think I think they might have. But I, there's assumptions that they, that they would done, do it, yeah. and I think that they will. I think what they were seeing was that they can extract as much blood from a stone as they want with GTA Online, and it makes most sense for them to to focus on that. Um, my my other assumption, because we talk about how they treat their IP with care, and they do, is I'm wondering if they're just going to make GTA Six or something like that, or or not Six, but like a Vice City or something like that mm-hmm. on that engine, which would be the exact opposite of what they've been doing, because they realize that. They can make a fucking shit ton of money by doing that. They'll sell another thirty million copies. You well, know? I mean, do you, what do you think is more likely for us to get uh, Vice City or for us to get a loss in the damned? I think it's more likely we get a loss in the damned. I'm just wondering if the delay on or a ballad of Gay Tony. Like, I'm wondering, but by this point in the life cycle, those had come out already. You know? Yeah, that, I, I think they're on to the next one. I think they're on to six. I don't think they're worrying about DLC for this guy, other than online, which sucks. I'd love more story DLC. I love Lost in the Damned. Yeah, Lost in the Damned was good. I thought Ballad of Gay Tony was even better. Um, so yeah, it's weird. I just think that they're looking at it. Yeah, I think there's business decisions that have to be made for them. I hope that I would rather them do story DLC and really take their time again yeah. on GTA Six. But they were looking at this. They made a fucking asinine amount of money. They made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. So it's like, why not? They're it's like, more. even if we sold half as many copies of the next game, the engine's done, so we can just still make hundreds of millions of dollars in profit, even selling twenty million instead of forty or whatever. It's it's. But they'll sell, you know. Yeah. They can annualize that series. I'm surprised they don't, but I'm, do I'm glad it, that they don't. Do you think it would be a better idea for them to come out with a story DLC or for them to just focus on 6 and get that out earlier in the life cycle of the next console? I'd like to think that Take-Two and Rockstar are readily cognizant that they could make more money and do more with Grand Theft Auto but choose not to. And I think it gives them a mystique and I, and I respect them for it. So I would – I don't want to say I have to lose respect for them because I don't. I, love, I, I think those guys are great, but – I like the idea that in a, in a world of annualization, a world of shoving shit down your throat over and over again, that they choose not to with the IP that could be annualized the easiest. And there's something to be said about the way the Housers and all those, like, they just, I appreciate that. I think it's so different. It's so un-Activision. It's so un-Ubisoft. And I like that. I like the idea that we will not see Grand Theft Auto until 2020, but I just don't think that that's, that that's true, you know? But I think that in the long, I think treating the IP in the long run as something sacred like that is going to pay dividends for them as opposed to running it into the ground, um, which is possible. They're not immune to it. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't done it yet because they've treated it with care. But they, if they kept releasing the games at the clip that they were with the PS2 games and the Liberty, the Liberty City stories and stuff like that, like yeah. it was starting to get to that point where I'm like, ah, when I play those games on PSP, I'm like, these kind of suck. Yeah, you know, like like let's and that's when I, you know, so they already started going down that road, and I, and so I, I don't know, I I. I I'm, it's like six of one or half dozen of the other. I don't know what the answer is. Six. So the half dozen of the other needs to... Well, good GTA yeah, six. I don't know. All right, so... Try to be funny, are you? Yeah. Funny guy over there. Carly's chill. What game genres do you guys tend to stay away from? MOBAs? MOBAs, MOBAs MMOs, driving games, fighting games. Most sports games. I mean, we have yeah. an exception here or there, but we're not like usually stoked. Mm-hmm. Fighting games like for sure. Games like I just don't like fighting games. Yeah, besides Smash. I mean, yeah, I like. I mean, I enjoy fighting games, but yeah, I'm not gonna like buy one. <laughs> I don't enjoy them. <laughs> it sounds like I'm isolating a lot of genres. But when you really think about the genres I do play, I play first person shooters, third person shooters, action games, adventure games, role playing games, you know, puzzle games, visual novels. Like, yeah. so there's a lot of shit that I fuck with, but it's easy to mark off the thing. Like, I don't give a fuck about you know driving games. You're talking about VR, like the obvious VR win for Sony is Gran Turismo, but it's it's. Which I think is certainly going to be a Morpheus game, but I I uh, don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't even even though I'm in the VR, I'm still not going to play Gran Turismo. 
Yeah, I think for me, like Western RPGs, I've, it's never clicked with wow, me. Wow, really? Yeah. Like, that's I mean, crazy. like Mass Effects and, you know, Fallouts and all that that's stuff. That's unbelievable because that's such a. Everyone loves them so just much. A strong just, genre. And there's so many great games that people love so much, but I just, it doesn't click with me. It always just feels too big and it doesn't feel as tight as I want it to. It's always a little too open and there's too many mechanics. Uh, but I, I'm open to changing that. And I, I hope that someday something happens where. Mass Effect, I think, is a great place to start, but the first Mass Effect is very hard. Mass Effect 2 is a way to start, yeah. yeah 2 is a good start? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love the first one, but they're, they're radically different games. They really, mm-hmm. like, stripped... Ma- by Mass Effect 2, they really stripped everything out of it. And by Mass Effect they 3... They made it really good. They, I, think, and I think Mass Effect 2 is definitely better than Mass Effect, but I, I like Mass Effect 1 a lot. And uh, by Mass Effect 3, it's, like, basically a shooter. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. Oscar on the couch asks, would you like to see a Ghostbusters game like the Rocksteady Batman games or any other movie or TV show franchise? Like the Ghostbusters are going around beating up 12 ghosts at once, hopping around and reversing? Yeah. No, I don't want to see that <laughs> at all. No. So, I mean, a long time ago, there was rumors, and they, I think they were just entirely unfounded, but that Rocksteady was going to make a Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles game. That would have been perfect. And to me, oh my God, that was the most excited I've ever been for a game that ended up not being real. Yeah. Because it like, looked like it was real. There were so yeah. many rumors about it. Everybody thought that was really going to be the thing. Yeah. And I mean, that just sounds so perfect. Like, yeah. it just makes sense, you know? And like, it makes sense for the characters. It makes sense for the enemies. It makes sense for just the gameplay and like yeah. the way that the fighting style Especially the way that, that you see what they're doing with Arkham Knight with that whole dual team up stuff. Yeah. Jump, jumping around between them, using special moves to switch off, having tons of foot soldiers to beat the shit out of. Yeah, that'd be rad. And then we saw that uh, Ninja Turtle game. Last gen, the DLC or downloadable one that was out of the shadows or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this, yes. And uh, it was just a very thinly veiled attempt at making that game without Rocksteady. Yeah. You know, and it just it didn't work as well. It wasn't a bad game, sure. but it definitely wasn't what we wanted exactly in that weird faces. Yeah. I don't know why they had such weird faces, Greg. Turtles are hard to make faces for. They just have beaks. Turtles usually. don't have faces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Superhero Jar 26. Do we think Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is dead for good if this game tanks? Honestly, it, it's such dead is such an unquantifiable thing in this, yeah. where it's like this game's gonna be fine. It's gonna, I mean, it's gonna do fine. Like I don't think that. So they said about Tony Hawk Ride. Well, I, but I don't think that the quality of this game is gonna affect its sales. Like I think that you really don't. No, I think the people that are buying it are gonna buy it, and no one else was going to anyways. Mm. Like I don't think this is gonna be like a super huge success. It's just like we're just making it. Will we see another Tony Hawk game like in this style? Probably not after this, and that upsets me because the it, it def, that is a quality thing. Had the quality been better, I think it would you know someone would be like let's do let's try it again. Yeah. yeah. Now will Tony Hawk live? Probably. It's going to be more, not ride, but like stuff like that, where it's like mobile games and like just. Oh, if you count mobile games, then yeah, you'd be yeah, fine. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's going to be. I think this could be the last gasp for Tony Hawk on a console. For Tony Hawk Pro Skater, that series, it might be the last one. And it's like, man, that sucks. That sucks so much ass. Like, did you guys see the trailer yesterday? No. That came no. out for it? Is it bad? Uh, man, man, it's really bad, guys. <laughs> like, it Sorry, sucks. Tim. Yeah, I, it's I like, believe it. Like it, 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 I mean, it, it like the studio uh, that made those games doesn't exist anymore, you know. Oh yeah, but so I mean, I mean, but that's the thing though. Like having said that, like the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD that's being made by the same people that made this that came out on PS3 and um, Xbox 360 definitely did not nail Tony Hawk. It definitely wasn't perfect at all, but it was fun. I still enjoyed it. I still liked it, and it didn't look horrible. Yeah, this is a PS4 game, 
And it like to say it looks like a PS2 game, a lot of people insult things by saying like throwing around insults like that. Sure. When you look at this, you're like, this is a widescreen PS2 game. Holy crap. Everything is so bare and so empty. There's just shapes everywhere. It's like, what's <laughs> happening? Like, like why are the animations so bad? Like, why is all this stuff? Now the thing is I haven't played it yet. Yeah. So that's my, gonna be my one thing because like, I don't give a crap how it looks. It's Tony Hawk. Like, give me places to combo off of and whatever, I'll be fine. That still scares me that it looks that bad though. And like seeing all the like I it's not even just a graphic thing when I'm talking about it looks bad. Like the animations of the moves look bad, which makes it look less fun. You know, like that changes the experience. Sure. sure. Get your your board lights on fire and it causes all those things to light on fire. Cool idea, except no one really cares about that. And when you look at it, you're like, why? Why is this happening? It looks dumb. And then the, there's sparks being shot out. God damn it, guys. Why are you doing this? Yeah, it's, what's interesting to me is the inverse relationship between the ubiquity of skateboarding and society and the downfall of Tony Hawk. Because as a skating, not Tony Hawk the person. Because skating really entered the mainstream. And I skated when I was a kid. My brother was really, it still skates um, to this day. Um, so I grew up around it. I grew up around that culture, like, very much. And uh, it entered the mainstream in the early 90s, but it's ubiqu- It's like really more ubiquitous and, and socially accepted now more than it's ever been. And yet the relevance of skating games is, like, zero. Meanwhile, yeah. in 99 or 98, when Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out, that was huge at a time when skating was still rebellious and 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 different. Um, and so I always thought that was weird. You would think that Tony Hawk would be fucking huge today. Yeah. But it's not. I mean, well, that's the thing, though, is it's like I don't think it's so much the idea of skateboarding games as much as it's Tony Hawk kind of had its own genre of just the like arcadey sports title, sure. you know, and like we saw that genre come and go the NBA streets and the, like all that stuff that was like mm. we didn't take the idea of this sport, but we're going to like 90s. Fight, yeah, like NBA know? Jam, NBA Jam, NBA Street, Blitz, all this different stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. Tony Hawk was definitely more that than a skateboarding game. Yeah, well, because the skateboarding game like Thrasher, mm. uh, which came out a couple years after Tony Hawk, was like a simulation skateboarding yeah, game, and it was, it was awful. Horrible. But then Skate came out, and people love Skate. I never got into it because I wasn't into it for the skateboarding, and I was into it for the gameplay mm. and for the like the presentation of the game and the soundtrack and the culture of it, you know? Um, but it's just like that genre is dead, which brings me to my next question from Adam Murphy, who just wants to know about video game mascots. It's just like, is that still a thing? He wants to know about them. Yeah. That was his question. Video no, game it's mascots. not a, it's no, not it's not a thing, thing at all anymore. Yeah. It's like, you know, you got Mario and stuff, but like, I think Mario at this point has transcended being a mascot for Nintendo. He's just a character. That he everyone, is Nintendo. He, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows it. Yeah. You know? It's like, Mickey isn't the mascot, it's the face. Mario sure. is the face of Nintendo. That's a better way to put it, right? Yeah. Master Chief is the face of Xbox. Mm-hmm. Drake or Sackboy is the face of I PlayStation. I mean, yeah, PlayStation <laughs> does... I mean, it's weird to say this, because it's this sounds stupid, but I think PlayStation's... The sacred symbols and the, yeah. the PS logo, that's the face of PlayStation, you know? No, it doesn't sense. necessarily need to be a character. When you, people see that, they know what it is. Sure. When, when they see the X of the Xbox, I don't think they're like... Xbox. When they see the Nintendo logo, that's a little too obvious. Obviously, it's Nintendo. <laughs> but it's like PlayStation, I think that's the thing that identifies it. Sure. But yeah, Crash Bandicoot, Sonic, like those days are gone. When I don't think we'll ever see one game define a system that, that much. Sure. You know? Absolutely. I agree. Then final question comes from my boy Zach Edwards. What up, Zach shout, Edwards? Shout out to Houston's. Um, why do games stray away from poop? I could be mistaken, but is The Sims the only game where a character can drop a deuce? 
no, you're totally Tamagotchi. Uh, we were when we were talking about Duke Nukem earlier. You, pick, you, up, you, you pick up a turd out of you. You poop out a turd and then pick it up and draw yeah, on the a trophy thing with it. Yeah, it's, it's South Park, you poop out and you can use that in battle and stuff yeah. like that. Digimon World on PS One. If you uh, didn't take care of your Digimon, he would poop, and if you pooped too many times, he died. Oh my god! Yeah, it was just like real life. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> real life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that has been the first ever episode twenty-eight of the Kind of Funny Games Cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, coolest dudes in video games, Colin and Greg. Please go to kindoffunny.com slash forums. Leave your topics for the show over on the, the Kind of Funny Games Cast board. Until next time, I love you. I love your body. I love all the things you do with it.